0: Anger Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you very much, David, and thank you so, so very much this evening to know that I'm amongst people who love our country. In fact, there's a joke about Nigeria that God created the whole world and Nigeria. (laughs) We are um, an interesting country, Um, 160 million plus people, Um, a very, very rich nation. Anything on earth is available in Nigeria. And yet, It's one of the poorest in the world. But things can change. And I believe that if you listen carefully to Gene and to Sid, that is the whole essence. That is the heartbeat of the matter. That the gospel has the capacity to change anything. To bring an eternal change, as it were. And I do not know. Of anything that can substitute to the eternal joy of leading people to Christ no title no bishop title no academic qualification nothing can substitute for that and that is a good business because whoever you invest in with the gospel you can be sure of one thing that person will end up in eternity at the feet of Jesus, praise the Lord. And as we look at Nigeria and Africa, I want to say too that love begets love. We love you. And believe me, we do. We pray for you. When we hear of how in Europe, people are turning away from the gospel, it aches our hearts. When we hear of how people no longer believe in the Word of God, it pains us. It grieves us to know that children are getting lost when in Nigeria children are turning to Jesus, and our problem is how to teach them and to get them grounded in the faith. And I have said to my church and to the folks that I lead, I said, let's not look at our problems, let's look at investing backwards. And in my synod this year, we were looking at handing over the baton. Because some young people came to Nigeria in 1907 in the north of Nigeria. And they grabbed some young children that were otherwise pagans and would have died in the wilderness without health, medicine, or education. Gave them the gospel. Those were our parents and some of them our grandparents. They handed it to us. And here am I now standing, coming back to Europe and giving the gospel. So we must give the children, Nigerian children, the gospel so that they can come back to your children and grandchildren and give them the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we have a gospel that has not lost its potency in mission. In a discussion, about the situation in Nigeria with the British ambassador the other day and we, we were talking about it all and he asked what my thoughts were and I said to him that all we need is for the government to provide security for everybody, for Christians, for Muslims, for pagans and to ensure that law and order we are kept in the society and the ambassador said to me but bishop what do you do next with poverty i said no no i'm not afraid of poverty because the gospel has the cure for poverty and only the gospel cures poverty one of the index of one of the index of of of, of, of cure in poverty is a gospel look at Ephesians, the letter to the ephesians hard work stop stealing revival And that is, poverty is cured. And he nodded his head and said, you have a point. I said, absolutely. And this is where we need missionaries. We need missionaries on both ends. We need missionaries now in Nigeria. And as I stand in front of you today, I am standing on behalf of many, many Christians in Africa whose voices you may never hear. I'm standing on behalf of many who have suffered or who are still suffering for the gospel. I remember discussing with a couple of friends. I was leading a retreat for the bishops in Sudan, and I was asking late Bishop Semi Solomona, who traveled for 17 years from Sudan and ended up in the northern part of Uganda. And I said, Brother, how did you survive these 17 years? Don't your women give birth? He said, They do. What about snakes? He said, Jesus heals. How do you manage? He said, God looks after us in the wilderness. I speak on their behalf. I speak on behalf of Christians who have lost everything, literally, in some parts of northern Nigeria, and particularly in my own ecclesiastical province, in the diocese of Yobe and Damaturu right now. There is not a single church standing. The bishop is an exile. In my degree, a couple of churches are still there with very few faithful members living in fear. In Jos itself, the church entirely in Joss is worshiping the Lord under siege. In Jalingo, they are standing a fair bit, so are they in Yola. In Kaduna, they are frightened. Why I am still alive remains a miracle. My first baptism was in 1987 when I lost my house, my church, and everything else. I was supposed to have been killed. God miraculously saved me at night. And that has been the constant testimony of my life. Until recently, in fact, they got me and took me out to kill me. But by the next, by a few minutes later, they said they would kill me in my bedroom. As I went up there, I asked them if I could pray. I knelt down to pray. A few minutes later, my wife came on. A few minutes later, again, my son came in. And I said to them, what are you all doing here? And they said, daddy, they're gone. Why Jesus has left me alive is because my time is not up, so that I might declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. So while this life lasts, all that matters, brothers and sisters, is the gospel. And like we heard on Saturday, the power of God unto salvation. Whoever believes, it's not about me, it's not about my ability to talk, it's not about who I am or how qualified I am, but it's just merely sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in a few minutes, I have seen people turn to Jesus Christ. That is what we must hold on to tonight. So very quickly that we may go to our exhibitions. Let me run us through three things. First of all, witness is critical. But secondly, within our context, growth is evident. And finally, the mission. let me begin with the witness because all that you see on the screens of the television and media all the time about nigeria is you look at when there is a bomb the stories of poverty of hiv and aids all the sad faces all the time i was particularly unhappy one of the times when nigeria even defeated the world in soccer that was not mentioned in any of the western media (laughs) But as soon as there is something horrible, that is what they show. And in fact, only yesterday I tried to flip any of the channels to see how our girls were doing in the World Soccer Championship. Nobody mentioned that. And yet the girls defeated Japan and they are top on their lead, on their <laughs> section in Nigeria. But you see, my point is this that when you look at all of these horrible stories in Africa, I see something different. The world was not any different when the gospel was birthed. Among the Jewish community, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they were colonized. They lost their freedom. They didn't have any much rights. But the gospel in Acts chapter 4, we heard, had turned the world upside down in just a matter of weeks. The gospel. And so it would seem to me that in the middle of all of the liabilities of humanity, in it is God's opportunity to create a story. If you are waiting for things to go well before you start mission, you will never. God is a specialist in taking the most terrible situations to bear witness to his power and turning it for His glory. That is our situation in northern Nigeria. In the middle of all of this, a year ago, over a year ago, a gentleman phoned me and said he wanted to talk to me. I answered his phone call and he said to me he wanted to be a Christian. This is a millionaire. This is a man who has built several mosques. This is a man who who is a funder of political parties, even in Nigeria, and he phones me up and says, he want to be a Christian? I was scared because I said, now, now, now. Somebody wants to put me in trouble. I usually am, but this time around, this is my end. I thought it was a joke. I consulted one of the elders of our diocese, and he said to me, yes, it is true. This man has been talking and he told me of how in 1946 my father had picked him up, gave him education, and recommended him for a job with the colonial officers, they gave him a bicycle. My father again recommended him to Kaduna in 1954, they gave him a motorbike, and that was the beginning of his life, and he said publicly, everything I am today, is because of Mr. John Kwashi. Now Ben Kwashi, You are his son. You are my son too. But today you are my father in the Lord. The God of your father. I want to follow him. How my father had sowed the seed of the gospel. In 1946. And I was to repeat. In 2011. Glory to God. The gospel gives us opportunity. To demonstrate the love of God. To demonstrate the power of God to demonstrate the justice of God the righteousness of God only the gospel has a capacity to do that three years ago somebody like that came up to me this was also a leading Muslim man who had a football club and he came to the Lord they're all baptized and worshiping Jesus in jaws but secondly In the midst of all of these troubles is growth, as we heard from Jean and from Sid Garland. There is growth. We have in Nigeria today a growing church in a country whose population is growing even faster. This means that it is predominantly a young population. The youth from the majority of our churches, they are in majority at a point the average age of Plata State where my diocese is situated was calculated to be as low as 22 years in comparison with the West we have a young church young in its existence, young in its membership we have a church which in parts of the country is persecuted suffering and not free to build structures or even buy land we have a church which is facing the growth and incursion of militant Islam we have a church which is struggling with poverty which is struggling with societal corruption and political uncertainties we have a church which is still struggling with inherited colonial mindsets concerning power ability and trust we have a church which draws its membership from very many different tribes and racial groups many of which have fought each other before in the past And now have come to learn to live together and grow together as a people of God. But above all, we have a church where faith is vital. And the real and motivating power behind life is worship. It is a faith worth living for and a faith worth dying for. And thousands have so died. The very possibility of persecution makes a difference and lessens complacency. Please do not think that we have all the answers to every single church problems. No, rather, we just ourselves are surprised at how God is keeping the church alive and kicking. The vision is beginning to fade away in some places and that situation needs to be rectified before they fall into the sleep of death and therefore mission degenerates into maintenance but overall there is a fire a passion which is burning and we must fund that fire until it catches light over the country and over all the world one of the characteristics of Nigerians is that they travel in fact it is widely believed that wherever you go and you don't find Nigerians don't stay there I was myself shocked at a conference where I met a Nigerian who had come from Yukon. And I wondered what he was doing in Yukon. I mean, this is where eyes all over in Canada. But Nigerian is there in Yukon with his family. It's amazing. So whatever investment of the gospel there is in Nigeria, invested, is going to go places. In fact, the bishop of Singapore, the retiring bishop, told me a story of how he sent his archdeacon to China where they have a growing youth church in Beijing, the university. And his archdeacon went there to strengthen the fellowship and when he went, he saw a black African leading a Bible study and was leading it in Mandarin. (laughs) After the service... He talked with this uh, gentleman and found out that the Bible study leader was a Nigerian. (laughs) So investing in Nigeria is investing in the world, inevitably. I think God has so created Nigeria that way, and the opportunities are great. Finally, missions. The burning concern for missions is at the heart of what it means for us to be Christians of whatever denomination. When we lose the heart of mission, we lose what it means to be a Christian. We are therefore training and sending missionaries further and further afield. And even in our local contexts, we already are beginning to send out missionaries to Uganda, to Ghana, and we're doing short-term missions to South Africa and to Kenya. And we're praying to God that we will soon, with our contacts in Sudan, begin to send out to the Sudan as well. There are others in Nigeria who have gone to Brazil through the Church of Nigeria Mission Society, some in the UK here, and others in the US. We, in turn, are glad to welcome long-term partners, as well as short-term missionaries to live and work with us in Nigeria. We need UK missionaries who will help us to build strong foundation for the future. There is growth, but the foundation is not dug yet. There are very few who are privileged, like me, to have had a good education, to be able to read books, but we are not so many. A majority are still within a certain level, and the depth of how to search scripture, to, to, to search out and do a biblical exposition that will last over a longer period of time, are not many. We need theological teachers who will teach in our theological colleges and in our Bible schools. We also need teachers of secondary schools because the children are so many. And one of the biggest headaches right now is the teaching in schools. Nobody wants to teach children. Everybody wants to teach in the universities. And I'm encouraging young people now to get teacher certificate because that is where the future is. If the younger generation do not get a good educational background, the future is bleak. We need mission teachers at that level. We also need those who have knowledge of agriculture. Nigeria is, the land is very fertile, everywhere, everywhere, particularly Jos, where we grow Joss potatoes. Not Irish potatoes, although they are similar. (laughs) Some Irish persons came to Joss and tried Irish potato, and it worked. And today, we supply all Nigeria Irish potatoes. Well, Joss potatoes. (laughs) As As a matter of fact, Joss is so blessed in its fertility on the ground that even if you bring an Irish person and plant him there, he will grow. It's a wonderful ground, wonderful ground. Sugarcane grows there, strawberries, flowers. It's just so wonderful. We are 5,000 feet above sea level. And we're so blessed in Joss. But we don't know how to harness the ground yet. We don't yet know how to harness the ground for bigger yields and how to store the produce. So the church needs agriculturists. But the church needs compassionate health workers too because of the large population and because of the other fetish beliefs that has gone with certain illnesses, not many people want to touch certain diseases. My wife shocked me a few years back. I wasn't at home and I phoned her and she said she has some children in the house. And I said, what, what children? She said, no, no, they were abandoned and she took them. And I asked, "What? who abandoned them? She said, well, they they have HIV and AIDS. And I said, in my house? (laughs) She said, yes. She began with eight. (laughs) I was scared. (laughs) I mean, eight children in the house, HIV and AIDS. I was worried for the other kids that we have and for our guests and all of that. But I can tell you as a testimony to the Lord, this is our sixth year. We lost only one of those children. And not one has infected any other person with the HIV and AIDS. In fact, that has encouraged Gloria. You don't want to know the number of children we have in our house. (laughs) (laughs) Oftentimes I've said to people when they come to uh, give Gloria some support, I say, please don't, because she will add one more child. (laughs) But it's a great ministry, because this year they've all grown, and now we can't take them to church. We need about two buses. So the pastor who, uh, parish pastors came and said, "Ben, he said, "Bishop, sorry, I don't think you need to be coming to church again. I think you are a parish of your own." <laughs> so can you imagine 50 children that would have been pagans or anything, but through the care of compassion, now we have 50 young adults who are members of church. Can you think of ten years ahead of now, when they graduate, when they marry, how many children will become committed Christians? How many of them will become evangelists and teachers and professors, or doctors of medicine, or whatever? Can you look at that prospect? Oh, my brothers and sisters, as I close, let me encourage you. If you're looking for a perfect situation before you go out on mission, that situation will never come. If you're waiting, For things to get better anywhere, they will never. God is simply asking you to go. And if the Lord is calling you to go, just go. I have opportunities to have left Nigeria, to have left Joss. Because my life has been under threat for 25 years. And yet each time I feel like living, the Lord says stay. I have lived in fear. I have lived in want, but I have lived in the gospel. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org/slash donate.